Now it's Just Plane Radio. Yeah. The show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I can fly. Brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. It's your lucky day. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. You got a plane. Call Just Plane Radio toll free now at 888-884-2FLY. And the sky's the limit. That's 888-884-2359. Sir? I'd like you to take the helm, please. I'd be glad to. Greg, your co-pilot, and Captain Dennis, we are your crew today for Just Plain Radio, the show devoted to the aviation lifestyle and learning to fly. All right, so uh, a lot of stuff going to happen on the show today. We've got a special guest coming up from the uh, Aerobatic uh, Organization, International Aerobatic uh, something. What is it? International Aerobatic Club at the EAA. There you go. So trick flying. I think is what that means, isn't it? Exhibitional flying. Okay. We'll go with that. He'll explain a little bit later on. There's no trick to it. It takes a lot of training, a lot of experience, and don't try this at home without getting proper training. At least you should belong to the club, I guess is what he would say. But we'll find out when we talk to to Jim, who's the big cheese there at that organization here in just a bit. But first, we got to bring our passengers up to speed on the latest developments when it comes to COVID, because uh, once again, it's in the news. They keep throwing a, another curveball our way. You know, we're based in Florida, and we had a lot of uh, attention on the state this last week because of the Super Bowl. And uh, one of them uh, was, you know, basically, you know, all the news anchors that came down from from uh, New York in particular, all they were talking about is, gosh, Florida seems like it's wide open. This is crazy. There's people. I'm actually seeing people here at the Super Bowl. What is going on? <laughs> and, and, you know, and then when we're here, even you being a, a Florida resident, you know, it's fa- fairly recently, you've settled into the Florida mode. But, yeah, compared to the rest of the com- country, we look like we're wide open, don't we, Dennis? We sure do. And, you know, having a, a one of my kids still back home in Minnesota where they just came out of a, a, a month-long lockdown because of a spike in COVID. And, you know, I'm actually able to go to a restaurant with appropriate safety precautions. Uh, right. It is really kind of nice because, yeah, for the most part, the state of Florida is still very much open. It, it and, is a, a strange, uh, you know, encounter for people coming in from outside the state. And that's that was very apparent once again watching the Super Bowl. It was kind of interesting to hear their perspective because, like, so you you kind of get used to the situation. Like, you don't think that uh, everybody is so locked down. Like the you know, you, if you watch the news, you see it. But we're in Florida. We're out and about. We're doing our thing. We're wearing our mask when it's appropriate and all that kind of stuff and following the guidelines and stuff. But things are open. You can't go out and eat. You know, and uh, you know the occupancy is limited and spaced out a little bit, but not that much at a lot of places that you go to in Florida. So it, it's kind of up to you how comfortable you feel uh, to want to get out in public and encounter the activities, whether that be a theme park, for instance, uh, the Super Bowl or whatever the case may be. So, but it's kind of up to you. It, it's not necessarily uh, a situation where you don't have the uh, availability to even do this, which is basically the case for California and some of the other more locked down areas of the country. So I feel very fortunate in that regard. And, and I don't know, everybody I saw in the, 
you know, uh, you know, reporting from the Super Bowl seemed pretty envious of us Floridians, and that may be the case. And and I think that kind of applies to pilots as well, because you have that freedom to fly your aircraft and and kind of be your own socially distanced traveler. Uh, but, but they're starting to clamp down on that a little bit now, I guess. Is that right? That is true. Yeah, with the uh, the new administration in place, you know, the president has enacted several mandates, um, which have extended a the mask mandate now to also not just commercial airlines, but even uh, a subset of general aviation. So, if you're on a chartered flight, basically, if you're flying f- uh, for hire, you're required to have masks. Just you know, whether it's on a cab, uh, in a bus, or even on a dive boat. Um, general aviation flights on charter flights, you know, if, if you're going on wheels up or, you know, whatever kind of charter, they're going to be required to make you wear a mask during the flight as well. So now the only, uh, only respite we get from that is if you're flying in your own airplane with your friends and family, you're still exempt from your own flying. Right. And how they enforce this is the big question as far as I'm concerned. You know, well, you know, if if uh, somebody from uh, the the sheriff's department greets you at the side of the plane and you come out without your mask on, I guess uh, <laughs> you know that uh, that could be how they do it. I mean, yeah. well, that's I where they're going to get weekend. into a, a, an issue. I think you know, I think it's it's good that it's recommended. It's fine, uh, but if they start fining people, all hell's going to break loose. I think. That's where it's going to end up being a problem. But, you know, most people are going to abide by the rules. I think most people already are, you know. And if nothing else, it does give the pilots uh, some legal grounds to tell the passengers to wear a mask while they're on the flight. And that is something that I've heard from some of the operators who have said that, you know, look, yeah, we have a policy that if you fly, you're supposed to wear a mask, but it doesn't really have any teeth. And we don't like to have to enforce it. You don't want to make your customers uncomfortable by saying, Hey, put on a mask or you can't fly. They don't like doing that, even though they, I mean, it's their business. They, they can put that rule into, you know, into effect if they so choose. But I've heard some uh, pushback from that type of approach from like, well, look, if the government says you have to do it, then, you know, we're off uh, the blame game situation. So they can't get mad at us. We're just trying to follow the rules. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, it was an interesting argument they gave me about that. Like they, they preferred that as opposed to just setting up a rule like, look, are you want to fly with us on our charter charter jet, then, you know, wear a mask. You know, so I don't know. What do you think about that, Dennis? You think that's uh, a good way to look at it? Or it, it, to me, it's just like they just don't want to take any responsibility for it. They don't well, want to be blamed. They're washing their hands of it. You know, the, the National yeah. Air Transportation Association says that uh, operators should disembark passengers who refuse to wear a mask. In right. addition, they must provide notification of the federal requirements. That can be via digital, print, audio, whatever. Yeah. So, well, basically, you know, they don't want to be the ones you you're, you get mad at. We're they, not you're the already mad here. Yeah, you're <laughs> already mad at the government. So go ahead, be mad at them. We're just following what we have to according to them. So it's passing the buck kind of thing as far as the blame game. Interesting philosophy, and I, I get it, but I don't know. Well, we'll have to wait and see how this goes. I would hope it gets better as opposed to worse, but they keep putting these, you know, extra rules in place. And, uh, you know, you got to play by them if you want to continue to play, I guess. That's the well, potential. And, 
and problem. hopefully it's a short-term fix right. um, until we can get the vaccine out to you know sufficient quantities that this really stops being an issue and we yeah. can go back to you know our normal lives as they were last March. Exactly. The ultimate solution, once again, fly your own plane with your own peeps, and then you're fine, I guess. But uh, but we will see. So uh, I don't know. As far as that, is that it for COVID, or do we got some other news that we got? Actually, share we, we, there's still some bright spots in there. Yeah. Uh, so last year, one of the first casualties of COVID was actually the Sun and Fun uh, Air Expo. Oh, that's as, right. as you recall, Austin and I, you know, flew down in our plane to come meet you and go do some touring around South Florida with the intention of then wrapping up our little spring break at at Sun and Fun. Yep. Well, that didn't quite happen. And mm-hmm. that was just the first of many events to get, uh, get ruined last year. But, uh, sun and fun is back, uh, April 13th through the 18th at Lakeland Linder regional airport or sorry, international airport now. And, um, they are, they've got a lot of, a uh, lot of firsts that are going to be happening at the show and it is going to go on. They are, uh, implementing the highest level of sanitation and cleanliness throughout the event. They're going to be, you know, introducing lots of, lots of measures to socially distance and make sure that everybody can safely attend the show. Will you have to wear a mask? Probably. I uh, haven't seen anything, you know, official yet, but I would expect to see that if you're probably in the booths and, and uh, you know, looking at the different shows, uh, inside tents and expos and things like that, you'll probably be required to have a mask, probably not out in the open air areas. Um, but I think we can all live with that in, in order to be able to take advantage of sun and fun. And yes. this year you will not want to miss it. Um, no doubt. It's going to be a lot going on and, uh, you know, at least we have something to look forward to. I mean, it's in April. We got another couple months for things to settle down, but just the fact that they're going to go forward and make this happen one way or another is great. You got plenty of real estate. So people be able to spread out and make the most of it. More coming up. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot, and flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight training professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons flight training professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. Whether you're a flight student, an experienced pilot, or simply an aviation enthusiast, there is a place for you as a member of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Join AOPA to get the latest general aviation news, safety resources, and technical support you need to sharpen your skills and become a central part of the nation's vibrant general aviation community. Learn more about becoming a member at AOPA.org. That's AOPA.org. 
Do you have a message or product you need to share with the aviation world? Well, look no further than Just Plane Radio. Just like you, thousands of aviation enthusiasts are hearing this message. And we could be talking about you and your product or service as early as next Saturday. Remember, a terrible thing happens when you don't advertise. Nothing. Go to JustPlaneRadio.com. Send us an email and let us get to work to make your marketing message matter. with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Level her off. Good job. You hear that? Flawless. It makes sense. It's a second nature. I've logged a lot of remote control hours. Gus, what would you say is harder, RC or the real thing? The real thing. Tough call. I'm flying across the ocean This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Dennis. And now we are joined by Jim Burke. He is, uh, or is it Bork? I should. I said Burke. I meant Bork. Is that right, no, Jim? No, it's, it's, you got it right the first time. It's Burke. You're one of the few who got it right the first time. Well, there you go. Yourself so much. Uh, you know what? I, I finally got something right. First time for everything. <laughs> uh, but welcome to Just Plane Radio. He is the president of uh, AIC, or International Aerobatic uh, Club. You can check them That's out, right. a, or org, And uh, so what What do you guys do? Do you fly around your planes and do like Cirque du Soleil type things or what? What, what is the deal? What is the ultimate goal of that yeah, club? Yeah, that's, a, that's a, a great question. The IAC is the, the sanctioning body for aerobatic competitions in the U.S. and also has the task of fielding teams for world competition. Wow. So we're all okay. about competition aerobatic. So uh, you get everybody together and then have training uh you know, fly-ins and things for people to learn about how to participate in that type of flying or what? Yeah, well, that's part of what the IC does. The IC's mission is really um, to serve all aerobatic pilots, not just the competitors, but primarily we focus on competition because that's where, that's where our specialty is. We focus on precision flying, you know, on uh, becoming uh, very good at making our loops round and our rolls perfectly on a line. Um, that's what we focus on, and that's, that's what we do best. So we do have uh, camps. We have contests. Uh, chapters that meet maybe once a month and uh, give critique sessions or help people out, help them get started in the sport. Okay. So, I mean, it just sounds like something, Dennis, you, you should be all over. Why, why are you doing this? Well, because my Mooney's not certified for aerobatics. So that, that's kind of a limiting factor for me. And, you know, I don't really want to be uh, busting any rules or breaking my airplane by rolling inverted as much fun as it might be. Well, what type but of I, aircraft do you got to get, Jim? Is there a particular craft well, that you guys focus on or what? Well, all aircraft uh, that are aerobatic capable are welcome in the IEC. We have uh, different types of uh, competition, different categories, different skill levels that are suitable for any aircraft and any skill level. Of course, we want to have people trained in with some of the basics before they fly competition. I'm sure you can imagine that. But, right. But uh, except for that, uh, everyone's welcome, and we uh, we do cater to everybody, really, every kind of aircraft. We have a lot of older aircraft. We have pits, Great Lakes, uh, even a Booker might show up once in a while, or a Waco. Um, but uh, nowadays, of course, there's a lot of uh, high technology in the sport. We have uh, what people might be aware of are things called extras. We call them monoplane sometimes. 
very high-performance aircraft, usually made of carbon fiber, hmm. that are used at the very top levels of competition in the U.S. and also throughout the world. Okay, so Dennis could join the uh, IAC but uh, with, yeah. with his Mooney 201, but pretty much all he could do is, like, rock his wings or something, or... <laughs> Yeah, we, yeah, he could do that part. That's probably about it in the movie. Yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think that would not be a very good fit. Okay. So you could be an <laughs> observer and then uh, just kind of join the club and hang out with these yeah, folks, yeah, that's, right? Actually, that's right. You know, we have a lot of people who show up and just do it just to volunteer, and they just enjoy watching. They enjoy being part of the sport. They know people maybe that are in it, or they just like being around the airplane. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who participate without having an aircraft, without being a pilot. Right. So, uh, uh, Jim, in this time of COVID, uh, how has the organization been working? Are you still having these uh, get-togethers? Has it affected things quite a bit but as far as getting so, everybody together, I would imagine, or what? It's had, it's had I mean, really, it's had a, a huge impact on everything in aviation. We had, uh, had to cancel our nationals last year. Um, we had a world championship that didn't happen last year. We only did about um, 25% of our normal contests last year but this year we think it's going to be a lot better uh, everything looks pretty good so far we did have some contests towards the end of last year they were able to happen as as the local governments kind of got things sorted out and and kind of i think realized especially that um aerobatic competitions don't require a lot of um close proximity of people we're not air shows we yeah. can't have crowds we can't have spectators but we often um can operate without that as well so when we sort of tailor our contest for the environment we're in right now we do just fine and i think we'll have a pretty full schedule this year got it so is there like a panel of judges like three judges an american judge you know a chinese yes, judge yeah. and a russian judge <laughs> which is always yeah, impossible. Yeah, that's a, at the world yes but it's a, in the u.s no we just tend to have uh, local people that show up to be judges there's a school you go to and it teaches you how to read the sequences that we that we use they're uh, drawn in a format that's called arresty so you learn how to read arresty um symbology and you go to a you know a day course or two day course to learn all that. Then you become yeah. a judge, and and after you've done some judging for a while, you usually become very good at it. So we try and rely on people who've done the most judging to do the uh, bigger contest. But everyone, as I said before, is welcome. And yeah, as just as you said, they sit out in the on the what we call the you know the judges line right in front of what we call the aerobatic box, uh, which is an area that the competition takes place in. And they call out scores as they watch the figures. What are your judges looking for? I mean, I've been to many air shows and I see these aerobatic routines and they're all, you know, awe-inspiring watching, you know, the loops and rolls and Immelmans and hammerheads and all this kind of stuff. And I couldn't, you know, tell you one operator, you know, different from the next, you know, so there's got to be something that I'm missing because it all looks so smooth and seamless from the ground. That's a great question. Of course, we do have freestyle flying. That is a thing. There's a four minute timed routine that we do that's only really available for the very upper level. Uh, which is set to music, and, and those and those uh, performances, you can do whatever you want. But hmm. but that's a, sort of the exception. Normally what we do is we have um, sequences that they must fly. It's very much like figure skating or a lot of other sports where you have a compulsory sort of program that you must fly, and everyone flies the same program. And then we'll have other programs that people might be able to have some creativity in. And the, what's really exciting about aerobatic competition is we have the unknown. And what happens is you get the sequence card the evening before you're supposed to fly it, you're not allowed to practice it. So the last flight of the contest uh, almost every time is that unknown flight where everyone's trying to figure out how to fly some new sequence they've never seen before. And that's usually where the big mistakes are made, and that's the most fun one to watch to me. Mm. Well, but how would they know one, How yeah, would they right? know it's a mistake if they were making it up? Like, hey, <laughs> yeah. I meant to do that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not making <laughs> – the pilots never – except for the freestyle, Yeah, the pilots don't make it up. They, okay, they have okay. a, a list of things they must do. 
and they must do it correctly. So, for example, if the line is that they're supposed to be drawing is vertical, they must be perfectly vertical. If they're doing rolls in that line, mm-hmm. the rolls must have the same speed. They must be um, even in the line. So if there's uh, like a short line and then a roll, then a long line, that would be a deduction. If it's a 45 degree, it must be exactly 45 degrees. If it's a loop, it must be round. There's lots of criteria like that, and it's all about the geometry of the sequence and the tempo. Got it. Who gets to name these? Uh, well, they're not tricks. Uh, that's what Dennis yeah. told me earlier. Not, well, what do you call it? They're uh, performances. You know, but it, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sensitive uh, to those things. A lot of people say that we're not stunt pilots. They take offense. I don't personally take offense. They are kind of. I think they're tricks. So they're okay. stunts. It's okay to me. You right. use whatever language is natural to you. But Magic. who names them? They've, they've been around a long time. They've been named for a long time. So we just all know the same names. Right. But if you're freestyling yeah. as a yeah. you know, as a aerobatic uh, flyer. And I, I, yeah. you come up with a cool new trick, you get to name it, I assume, right? That's true. That's oh. true. I, I have a call sign Fuzzy, and I think one of my uh, my uh, figures, the Fuzz Winder. So there you go. The fu- you there you see. You I love yeah. it. All right, Dennis, you got a you got a mission, <laughs> something new to add to the list there. Yeah, I love something this. other yeah. than Lomshavak and Immelmans and yeah. some of those. Yeah, yeah. we got to come up with a new term. There you go. Connect right. with uh, Jim Burke and the gang at IAC at IAC.org. And we got more coming up on Just Plain Radio. Stay close. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot. And flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight training professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons flight training professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. Takeoff with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Increase altitude. Increase altitude. Stall. 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 You can always go around. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me, Loa, Captain Dennis. We are your crew navigating the latest aviation news and information. Coming up, we're going to address this little story that happened during the Super Bowl where a guy took his drone up into the airspace he wasn't supposed to be in. Uh, we got a drone pro going to help us uh, navigate that story here in just a bit. But first, we uh, want you to avoid, uh, I don't know, flying or meat bags. I don't know. Meat missiles. Uh, meat, meat is that bombs. what you call parachutists? 
Uh, well, you, some people do. They probably don't refer to themselves as such. But I would uh, hope not. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sometimes they uh, create hazards in the sky that you need to avoid. And uh, I mean, yeah, whenever you encounter that, uh, you know, those parachuting activities going on, you want to avoid them at all costs because God forbid, if you don't, it could be worse than a bird strike. That's for damn sure. So, uh, so you actually had a little, in, not an incident, but something that popped up on your foreflight and you're like, oh, hey, they're doing what they can to keep this from happening in, in uh, too, right? Well, I think it's just a great expansion of the technology. I mean, everybody's got foreflight or some sort of an EFB in the, in the cockpit now. And if not, um, you really should and call me, I'll help you <laughs> navigate those waters. Uh, but you know, previously, if you were flying around, how did you even know if there was parachute operations going on? I mean, unless you happen to be listening to air traffic control for center or for the approach, you know, in hearing that the guys are about to drop, you know, that's about the only heads up you get. And if you looked at a chart, you might see a parachute symbol if it was a fairly heavy um, use drop zone. But that doesn't always mean that they couldn't be jumping somewhere else. And maybe there's a notum, but there was really no good way for you to get that information. Well, for flight to the rescue is now depicting something called a PJA on foreflight. So they're putting a three-mile circle around the parachute jumping area with the, the altitudes that they are uh, jumping from to help make you more aware that this particular area may have active parachute operations so that you don't just blindly fly right through the middle of it and you know get passed by a, a dropping parachutist. Right, which would be bad. It'd be cool. It'd be a great, uh, you know, video for them <laughs> if they're filming. They're usually filming those drops, but they they probably don't want to see a plane fly right by them. Or hey, where's that plane coming from? You know. So uh, no. so, but but the first time you saw this on foreflight, you didn't know what it was. No, I didn't because uh, you know it didn't look like anything that I had seen before. I was uh, heading off on a on a morning breakfast flight with my wife, and you know I'm heading from Fort Myers up to Venice, and there's this yellow dashed circle around. Not it wasn't even around an airport; it's just around a certain spot. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, that's what's that? And yeah, where's so the little uh, parachute icon? Zooming in onto the screen to try to see what it is, and PJ, oh, parachute jumping area. That's a neat feature. And then a week or two later, I get an update from ForeFlight saying, hey, a new feature that we just added uh, is parachute jump areas. You can tap and hold on them to get additional information, and it'll tell you you know, what the upper limits are and where who to contact and what airport they're flying from. It's like, okay, brilliant. Well, on the on the ForeFlight map, it shows PJA. For it says para- PJA in why, a circle. Why doesn't it put a little, uh, like a parachute icon? Wouldn't that be, that's what, what's on the charts, isn't it? Well, that's on the sectional chart, but that's yeah. only, the, the parachute icon is associated with the airport uh, that they're jumping from. But this is an actual three-mile ring around the jump zone, which may not be located right at the airport. And so it's it's giving you an idea that it's not just that little symbol that they're jumping and they could be within that three mile area. Cause mm-hmm. you know, they might be dropping at 14,000 feet wingsuiting down or who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, well, eventually uh, those maps are going to get animated. You know that, right? Well, yeah, it'll but, jump out and there'll be a little and, guy with a parachute. They'll probably have ADSB on the parachute guy. So you can watch his altitude dropping as he goes by. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be fun. 
it'll it'll be fun. But but, but at I least think we it's got great for safety yeah. and awareness. You know, now that when you're heading up to the airport, you're not just blindly flying through an active drop zone because you know on a 15 minute flight, you know, you might not be getting flight following, so you may not be aware that the that a load of parachutes just jumped out next to you. Mm-hmm. So this makes you at least aware that this is an area that might have that going on. And maybe you want to turn a little bit to the left, or maybe you should get that flight following after all. Right. Yeah. You definitely don't want to have an unexpected encounter with a parachutist. Now, if you think a bird strikes bad, I, I'd imagine hitting a, a, a full grown adult in a parachute mm, would probably I don't want ruin to your day. That. That's how a lot yeah. of you know horror movies start. That'd be a plot for a horror movie or something. So maybe it'd be disgusting. That's for sure. (laughs) Regardless, I'm glad they're doing it. We do have another story, however, but uh, it kind of hits close to home for you, right? It it is. I actually consider this home for me. Um, I was very pleased to be thumbing through uh, the February issue of AOPA magazine and noticed that there was an article on getting a multi-engine seaplane rating. And it turns out that they filmed the video and did the write-up in the article and all the photos at the airport that I learned to fly, used to work at, and even lived at for So you're like watching this video and going, oh my gosh, this is like WandaVision. I I stepped back into time. It was like, you know, living in my own little sitcom. It it was funny watching some of the stuff because the truck that they used to push the, uh, or to launch the seaplanes is the same 1980s pickup truck that they used when i worked there back in 1988 89 and Mm. got my pilot's license it's still there and it's still running it's it's just weird it's like lot you know literally frozen in time a lot of the stuff is still there i know that there's been some improvements over the years but for the most part duluth sky harbor airport on lake superior is still pretty much the same way it was when i left it how about that so it's the lake that time forgot uh but that makes it uh, just that much more appealing i guess and so it really well, it, brought back a lot of feelings when you watch that video, huh? That, hey, I'm- well, and it did. And just the sound, I mean, this was a routine. Every Tuesday and every Saturday, these airplanes would be either going out or coming back and hearing those twin engine Beach 18s. You know, it's a radial engine. There, There's something about that sound, uh, the, those vintage engines that just, it, it's an emotional response, if anything. But anybody who's been around the Warbird community and around the old radial engines appreciates the distinct sound that they make. And to hear that thing coming in, it was always fun. We'd always get out there and watch and try to help them dock and refuel them or whatever. And so to see that again and get brought up, it just was flashbacks to almost 30 years ago. And what's the purpose of them doing this? Just for fun? Or what are they doing exactly? Well, back when I was there, it was owned by a uh, a corporation and they used it for business purposes. They would take their vendors and suppliers and fly them up to Canada to a private fishing lodge and spend a week with them up there and bring them back. So it was a, a business trips. But now um, that business is, uh, has changed hands but the airplanes are still being out, out are out there and being used for seaplane ratings because the it's one of those elusive ratings is to get a multi-engine seaplane because there are so few twin-engine float planes. So for the people that really want to get that rating and do it in a vintage plane, this is the way to go. It may not be the cheapest rating to get, but it's certainly going to be one you'll remember flying in an old radial engine 1940s vintage Beechcraft. Right. Yeah. So it's just for the experience, not for the practicality. Right. No, no. Well, there may be some practicality. Maybe you you do have access to one, but uh, no, it's definitely for the experience. And the neat thing is the the guy that was doing the instruction, the flight instructor, was actually the my first ever CFI. 
Really? So it was so weird to see, you know, the same people, the same planes, the same trucks. It was just, it was all coming back. It was really, really quite fun. Did In he fact, look, I, uh, what, 30 years or, well, it'd been 40, well, he, 40 years. I'm not going to make fun of Tom. He He's aged well. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, there you go. It's all that uh, clean living up there on yeah, the lake, right? Or maybe it was kind of a WandaVision type of thing, and you were looking back in time there, Dennis. Sure you uh, it, weren't hallucinating or something? Well, I'll definitely have to go make a point of stopping in the next time I go back north to visit my parents. They'll go down there and say, hey, good to see you in the, in the magazine. Good to see that things haven't changed here. And they're like, who are you? You don't look anything like you did 40 years ago. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. You are now clear for takeoff with Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. What is this? Somebody enrolled somebody back into pilot school. So what do you say we quit that dead-end job you're in and put your mommy in a real nice home, something with 24-hour care on me, and not one of them Bangham and Binham joints, something really nice. Would be nice to go back to pilot school. Just Plane Radio, Greg, your co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Dennis. All right, so last week we had the uh, Super Bowl here in Florida where we're based out of, and the drones made the news once again. What exactly do we know happened, Dennis? Well, we know that uh, at least one drone operator was arrested for flagrantly violating the temporary flight restrictions uh, that were imposed over the the entire uh, Tampa Stadium area. Uh, this guy was aware of the rules and flew anyway, and the cops arrested him. So, you know, we, we figured there's got to be a better way to get the message out. You know, we keep harping that, you know, the rules exist for a reason. They're to keep everyone safe. And, you know, we need to build better awareness. Well, the FAA has has a uh, plan in place for this. Uh, you know, if you go to FAA.gov slash UAS, that it's, that's the landing spot for all you know, everything relevant to drones, but they also have a network of drone pros that are available. So if you have questions, it's, you're not, you're not on your own trying to navigate it. And uh, we've actually brought on to just plain radio, Mike, who is one of those drone pros uh, based out of the Fort Myers area. Well, there you go, Mike, welcome to just plain radio. How are you? I'm wonderful. Pleasure to be here. So are you a little upset with these guys uh, during the Super Bowl, giving you a bad name or what? What's the deal? You know, it, it's actually very disappointing. I, I posted on uh, social media. I was down at Ybor City the night before the Super Bowl, and um, I was just basically stepping through town and, and going somewhere else. And I pulled over, and I heard a bunch of fireworks go off. I, I'm not sure what was going on because I wasn't really paying attention to the stadium stuff and, mm-hmm. and all the festivities. I heard what sounded like fireworks going off. And I, I just looked up in the direction of the fireworks, and then within just a couple of minutes, I actually witnessed three different drones up in the air. Uh, very low altitude, and right above them was, I assume, one of the agency's helicopters had been orbiting all night long. I just rolled my eyes and went, you got to be kidding me, and I pulled up the, the app Before You Fly, which is the letter B, 
number four, and then the letter U, and then fly, which is the official app to determine where you are in airspace. And I pulled it up just to see, you know, how bad this really was mm-hmm. out of curiosity. And there were so many different levels of TFRs from different organizations that had been filed. They were stacked on top of each other with restrictions. Right. That it was just like the solid red. You couldn't even see through what's supposed to be a translucent, uh, you know, image. You couldn't even see the stadium through all that. Yeah. So many layers of it. And it was just embarrassing. Well, you know, I, I do you just chalk it up as uh, people that are just ignorant of what the law is? I mean, they had a 30-mile TFR around the Super Bowl. I mean, what do you, you think? You know, I think there's a certain point, there's a certain portion of it that's that, and then you have a certain portion that's defiance. Mm-hmm. Um, really? We have, we have a certain number of people out there that just don't know. Right. And they, they honestly don't want to be a problem. They, they don't see a problem, and their attitude is, is well, I'm not hurting anybody. What's, what's the problem here? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, just, I'm just out here minding my own business, and, and I'm not hurting nobody. Yeah, and the feds like know. that when you uh, give them the response when they track you down, right? They love it when you do that. Like, hey, I'm not oh, hurting yeah. nobody. I'm not hurting nobody. What are you, what are you talking to me for? You well, know? We, we have but, a uh, reservation for you here at the county jail that we'd like you to visit. I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of nutty. But, yeah, I mean, you're going to have some of those folks that are just uh, going to refuse to participate or follow the rules. But unfortunately, that makes all the people that are following the rules, it kind of gives them a black eye, I guess, right? It does. And it, and it, and it also makes the people that are following the rules not care as much. Hmm. You know, and, and people that are that are more apt to follow the rules, they say, well, you know, they, they're doing it, so nobody's doing anything about them, so why can't I do it, you know? And, right. And then there is the attitude of, well, who's going to stop me? You know, like, like the FA doesn't have enough manpower to go around and stop everybody, so how are they going to stop me? Hmm. And and that and that's in an, in an evolution of change because, quite frankly, you know we have the remote IDs now. As of March 16th, the the new law goes into place. It's going to be a long time before manufacturers are required to, to transmit and before users are required to have it. But once we get the, the new remote IDs in, um, they're going to know who you are and where you came from and where you're going. Right. And there's not going to be any hiding from it. So when they when they see those three drones in the sky. I, as a drone pro, can just put an app on my phone, any civilian can, and hold the app up in the air and look at it, and I can tell exactly where you're standing, hmm. you know, and, and who you are and, and what's going on. So that's going to definitely change a lot of stuff. Yeah. But and right Dennis, now, Dennis, what happened to the guy who got busted at the Super Bowl, by the way? Do we uh, know? He was arrested and is facing up to a year in jail and uh, multiple fines. Wow. Hmm. And is know, that worth it? And, and, yeah. And he makes you wonder, you know, why did this guy get arrested, not the other guys? There was, I think I'd heard somewhere along the way, and I'm probably way off, but that the deputies or, or law enforcement responded to like 80 different drones where they actually knew where the controllers were and stuff. Wow. Um, you know, on the night of the Super Bowl during the game. Uh, hmm. I heard that from one person. The And the other 79 didn't get arrested, so why did that one get arrested is kind of the question you'd have to ask. And I think that yeah. the foremost... Um, goal of the FAA is not to arrest. The foremost goal is not to have them arrested, not to have them charged civilly with you know, fines. It's to educate yeah, and bringing them all to the awareness. And that's why they have the safety teams to go out and educate and talk to people and counsel them is that a lot of times when you talk to people, they're like, oh, you know, I just thought I was having fun. I'm sorry. You know, we won't do it again. In which case they say, okay, let's, let's you know, be more aware. 
utilize the Before You Fly app, utilize the, the FAA Drone Zone and the FAA.UAS, be more aware and be more respectful that these drones are aircraft. They are registered in numbered aircraft or FA numbered, actually, mm-hmm. uh, most of the time domestically. And they're licensed pilots. And the sooner we as an aviation community recognize that, I mean, I, I was professional pilot and, and worked with the FAA as an air traffic division. And back when light sport came in, people said, oh, you know, they're not real pilots. You know, no, they are. They're real pilots. They're, they're the same as, as the guy that's flying 757. They're pilots. And once we understand that and accept them into the industry, it's going to make things a lot smoother for everybody and there'll be a lot more information flow. Do you think that the uh, the solution is education over legislation, or do you think they they need to crack down even more on this stuff? What do you think, Mike? Uh, I, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I think that um, you know education is is number one. I think, but when you have those people that are defiant, that know better, um, and you guys can confirm the gentleman that um, was in this situation, he he um, he knew you know, that there was stuff going on and he knew he shouldn't have been flying. So therefore they cracked down on him harder. If that's my understanding. Yeah. Well, that would make sense. You got to set an example. If you're flagrantly violating the rules and think you can get away with it, uh, they're going to track you down. Like you, like you said, they know where you are, <laughs> uh, whether they have the registration number in place or not, especially with something like the Super Bowl, they know where everybody oh, yeah. is. They got that whole 30 mile, uh, TFR mapped out pretty clearly. I have a feeling. Well, not only that, but we do have anti-drone technology out there, whether people utilize it or not, or um, whether people acknowledge it or not. But we have in, in Lee County, Florida, I know that they have a um, a system yeah. that is called Aeroscope, and this is developed by DJI. But okay. these Aeroscope transmitters, one transmitter, one receiver, can receive every drone in the entire county. Hmm. And the second that the drone turns on, they know where the aircraft is and where the controller is. They know where he's been and where he's going. And if someone wants more information on drones, where would you send them on the web? FAA.gov front slash UAS. There you go. That is the, the one point for everything drones. And the app to get is the, the Before You Fly app. If you are an amateur person or you're just starting out with drones, download the app. It will tell you your TFRs. It will tell you your equipment limitations in that area. All right. Well, we appreciate the update. And I think on that note, we're going to just wrap it up. Till next time, remember, there is no better high than learning to fly. Just Plane Radio is brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from Morbid. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. It's the only way to be sure. Just Plane Radio is a production of Overboard Entertainment Incorporated. It's just plain wrong. Remember, you can listen live or to archives of past shows worldwide over the internet at JustPlaneRadio.com. I'm going to leave my people up to the radio tower. So tell a friend and take off every week with Just Plane Radio. And I'm going to make a call. The show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle.
Listen up, everybody. I have some news. The opinions you just heard on Just Plain Radio are those of the hosts, callers, and guests. We are screwed. They are not necessarily those of any station or network, its management, or advertisers. A little too far. Cross the line. There are many factors to consider before learning to fly. What is your problem? So make sure you do your own research and get the proper instruction before your exploration into aviation. Thank you very much, sir. Have any questions or comments? Feel free to do so via the web at JustPlainRadio.com. 